Hello, welcome to a new episode of Purposely Local, when we feature local business ideas, shops, and initiatives that are shaping the new world of local. Our plan, as you might know at this point, is not to chat about how the business are doing or what the business are about. The idea is to focus on the why. It's local and its purpose all in the same podcast. Today, I have the pleasure to have a conversation with Billy and Fer. Billy and Fer are the founders of a local production company in Mexico City, originally called Lemon Films. Now they, they name uh, the company Lemon Studios. They have produced movies, series, documentaries, and even they venture into local theater. They have worked with all the biggest players in the media today, They have shot series for Netflix, HBO, Amazon, Univision, Televisa, and many more. They are a local production company producing content globally today since the language is no longer a barrier in some of these new platforms. Full disclosure, I met Billy and Fair uh, a few years ago in Mexico City during the development of a series that I was involved I spent a week in Mexico City in different meetings, working sessions, lunch, dinners with these two brothers that I have with me today and all, he, all their team. I felt like I was at home, even though I, was not, I am not from Mexico. They are super professional, fun, smart, passionate, and they have a discipline behind the process of developing a series that you can see in all the series that they have produced in their 18 years, right? They have been around for 18 years. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, awesome. So welcome, Fer and Billy. How are you guys doing? Where are you guys located today, this uh, quarantine? As close to the water and the beach as possible. Both Fer and I, I am in, we're both in the same state, as a matter of fact, but in different uh, cities. I am in Ixtapa and Fernando is in Acapulco. We're both in the, um, in the most dangerous state in all of Mexico. Oh, why, 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 why you got to take it there? It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Just that in context. I know you guys played completely different roles in your, in your company. Why you both decided to go and stay away from the city today? Well, I've only been here for a week and I'm going back in a few days. I, I came here to write a pilot script for a show that we're developing. And I finished the pilot last night and and I'm and I'm done. I needed I needed sort of a, a change of scenery to to finish it up, to put the last touches on it and then go back to Mexico. But but yeah, but I'm I'm mostly in Mexico and I just I was able to take this little week off and I did and I'm grateful for it. How about you, Billy? And I, our family got together in the, for Christmas. Uh, we came up here in November, quarantined, got, our, got tested, and then the whole family, about 20 so of us, got together to spend Christmas and I stayed. Um, <laughs> I just didn't go back. And well, that's I, over... yeah? that's I, over... I, I, I think we all realized Uh, everybody, that being, uh, as we say in Mexico, I don't know if this is a uh, something that translates in, in English, but it's uh, warming your seat with your ass, like like warming your seat, just just you know, como se dice horas horas nalga. We we say in, 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 <laughs> ass hours, ass hours. 
Uh, I love the translation. <laughs> these are hours that your ass is on a chair in your office. I think those ass hours <laughs> uh, are, are, have become a kind of a, a, the veil was lifted and, and we realized that it was not real and you didn't really need to be. I was one of the, one of the big uh, enforcers of that, if, if Fernando won't let me lie. I mean, it's like, I was always like, hey, you got to be here because this is where the magic happens. Hey, you got to all be here. But you know, recently we've all realized, for obvious reasons, that we don't we don't need to be somewhere. If you can be somewhere where you can be more creative, I think it's a great choice. And and we've been able to keep working, Fed and I. We we had our 2020 was our biggest year of our history of our 18 years in Lemon, our, our the, the year that we shot the most, that we that our numbers were healthy. We didn't fire anyone. We we're able to keep everybody on staff. And, and, and it has to do be with the fact that we kind of learned not how to be, not, not how to do what we did now in quarantine, but how to do things better and make quarantine a strength. So let's start with your childhood. What memories do you have from your childhood together? And where did you grow up? Maybe you can tell us a little bit of context where you both of you grow up and what memories you have from those days today. We haven't really grown. <laughs> You're still a child. <laughs> we, we, we're from Mexico City. We, we were born and raised in Mexico City. Early childhood was spent there. I think, I think maybe, what, you know, I, I, there's two big memories that come to my mind when we were little. And the first one is that my mother brought home a video camera and that was the end of it. And, you know, we, 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 she never saw it again. We, we made hundreds of hours of video of, of sketches of magic shows of you know films soap operas news reports a lot of those well at least some of those we actually found recently in some old videos being able to watch them and and it was it was sort of like our tool like that became our toy number one that what we would have most fun with what we would it, it also became the thing we wanted to get better at. So it, that became our sport. It became our activity. It became our, you know, our our means of expression, and 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 it sort of immediately became like our friend. Like the camera became became our friend, and 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 it got to this thing where, where we actually thought like it, this is the only thing we could ever want to do with the rest of our lives. So, I mean, that's one of what's one of the big memories I think for me. And the other one was that my mother worked in interior design early in her career and actually at, at first the way it started was she had some people over to dinner at the house and these people said i love the way you you decorated this house and my mother thanked them and everything and they said how much how much for the house and and they bought our house and my mother said we need to move out we need to go to another house and we went to another house and she decorated it and she invited some people over and sold the house and then she started doing that non-reactively, much more proactively. And another memory that I have of relating to this is exactly that, that, you know, by the time I turned 14 years old, I had probably moved about 15 times. And we always had a new house, a new place. Sometimes this place would only be for a few months while the other one was ready. And we sort of followed our mother around in this endeavor. And, and it became so interesting because you put that together with a film camera or a video camera and you just you have new sets you know every new house is a new possibility it's new stories it's uh 
it's it's new memories it's everything so let's just say like that we never stopped moving around and, and, and it was always interesting and as long as we had that camera uh we always had something to do um that was the first thing we packed when we were then the last thing we packed when we were leaving is the first thing we'd unpack when we get to the new place it was always about having fun and, and it still is uh not not 24 hours ago we were you know staying up at three in the morning talking about a script and about a new project and 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 that's always been so fun it's still fun it's never stopped being fun and and i think that's kind of what we found in that in that in that camera and we did radio stuff as well well radio stuff we didn't have a radio to come out on it wasn't like today where you can have a podcast uh, we didn't have that but it was always fun and it's still it still is and i think that's that's the big takeaway for me how old were you guys when you guys first grabbed a camera as a child you remember i think i was eight or nine and billy was maybe 12 11 or 12. okay And I'm curious. At that point, you guys already realized about both of your roles. I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I don't. I think it's like when you say it's not so much that it's different roles. It's like if if we were both Avengers, like we would both have the role of saving the world, but we each have a skill that we're better at, a weapon that we can use better within that group of of people that are out there to tell stories. So so both Fer and I are all about telling stories first and foremost, and that's that's what we do together. But then, you know, there are skills that Fed has, there are skills that I have where we can branch off and kind of attack the storytelling aspect in, in different ways. We didn't, at the time, we kind of did the same thing. It, it's kind of like you always do like the the generic version of storytelling first not the stories you tell but the way you the, what you do in the storytelling of it and then fernando started branching off into more of the directing and i am more in the producing and i think kind of we both bring to the table those extra skills to something that we both love to do which at its core is is telling stories but yeah we we do complement each other And when was that moment that when you guys were a child, you were having fun with the camera, both of you, when did you realize that, okay, I want to turn this into a company. I want to make this my life. You know, I don't know if you guys went to school or not, or you went to high school, what kind of degrees you got, or there was a certain moment that you said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to open a production company. I'm going to start shooting films. When exactly that happened and why that happened? What do you think it was a motivation from you guys to, because I'm assuming from the kids, kids on your age and in your status in, in Mexico City, it might be something different from your parents, from your family to say, hey, these guys are going to start a production company instead of being lawyers or doctors or something like that. So I'm, I'm curious to know how was, what happened in that moment and what was your motivation behind it? I think it's funny you should mention lawyers. I studied law and I was right out of high school. I, I studied law for a semester. Just a semester was long enough for me to realize that I was not going to be a lawyer. And then I studied business for about a year. And that was the year that it took for me to realize that I wasn't going to do business. The, the, thing, the thing to remember is if you want to be an astronaut and your country doesn't have a space program and, you know, it's, it's, it's harder for you to say, this is a reality. 
if you live in a place where there's an amazing space program and it's oh, the doors are open for everybody and you know you just you you, you get in there and, and and there's 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 enough teaching and funding and everything to make this a, a possibility then obviously not just you but your parents see it as, as a possibility now film in mexico in the mid 90s was non-existent we did not have an industry there was no there was no government support for it there were no films being made that would that would offered sort of an idea that Mexican film was not only a, a, a solid competitor to American film coming into Mexico, but it was but it was a preferred type of film for a Mexican audience. You know, like the local films weren't penetrating the local market. So to give you an example, 1998, Mexico shot seven films all year. That was the size of the Mexican film industry. And, I, and of course, in the 90s, we did have Solo con tu pareja by Alfonso Cuaron. We did have Y tu mamá también. We did have Amores Perros. We had like Water for Chocolate. Yeah, Amazing you got, movies. You gotta do one of these like, like you say seven, and then Daniel says seventy, and you go no, 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 seven. <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, seven. So I mean, imagine being a parent of a child who wants to be a filmmaker in a country that makes seven movies a year. You know, and those and of those seven movies, one of them has any sort of talent behind it. And the other ones are just like TV movies with poor quality, with poor story, and they don't, they have no audience, they have no... So the thing is, when, I, when we told our mother that we wanted to study film, I mean, the, the idea was, you, you know, obviously not here, you know? I mean, you're obviously not gonna have, do films in Mexico. And we were lucky enough to be, to, to be able, you know, we took advantage of a, of a problem in Mexico, which is that when we graduated from high school, you couldn't get a bachelor's degree for film in Mexico. It was non-existent. So there was no way to study bachelor's degree, officially bachelor's degree. And for us, it was important to do a, to do a bachelor's degree. So we each picked a university. We applied, we got in and everything. And I ended up going to school at Boston University and Billy ended up going to um, University of San Diego. He studied communications. I studied film directing and writing. And something amazing happened. We studied our undergraduate uh, program in a place where there is an industry, in a country where they teach you markets and industry and sales and, and how, to, how to write in a certainly you know, structured way and how to, how, to, how to get into the TV market, the film market, how to, you know, and, you know, also the writing and the directing and the producing and everything. But it's, it's a totally different education when you study it in a place that actually does have a path to a healthy industry. And when we went to Mexico after college to, do our, to work on our first film, we had, our, our idea was not of what Mexico could, was offering at the time, but what Mexico could offer what a healthy industry could offer filmmakers in Mexico. Since then, the industry has gone up from seven films to over 200 films a year. All the streamers are there. You know, thousands of hours of content are being shot in Mexico for, for countries all over the world. And it, it did have to do with a time when none of that existed. And when none of that exists, you can either, you can either say, okay, so then I'm not going to do film, or you can just look at it differently and say, then this is a universe of possibilities. Anything can happen in a place so bare, you know, so, so, so dry and so lifeless. Anything can happen. We can build anything. 
Wow. In Africa, no, it's a story about the guy gets sent to a very poor place by Nike to open market. No, and it's like he calls back and he says, "Jesus, nobody, nobody's, nobody's wearing even shoes. People are barefoot here. I mean, there's like no, like you can't give shoes to people here." And the other aspect of that is somebody comes in and says, "Oh my God, there's such a big opportunity here because nobody's wearing shoes." And it's like these two ways to look at the lack of something. And, and yes, we came in, we hit the ground running with, with a film called Matando Cabos, which is, is such a fun movie. And at the end of the day, it takes, it takes a bunch of friends who don't know any better to start anything amazing. And that's how it happened to us. I mean, I'm not comparing myself or Fernando to Apple or to Facebook or to, but yes, that's exactly how those companies start. It starts with a bunch of friends who don't know any better. And they're like, we just want to do this because we have no clue that it can't be done. All that we know is that it doesn't exist and that I have seen it. So that's frustrating for the brain. So then you figure out how to make your brain happy and, 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 and make it a reality. And Natando Cabos was a big hit. We were at Sundance. It was a highest grossing movie in Mexico at the time. And that's movie one. Then we did a horror movie because we wanted to explore other genres. And, and now, 18 years later, Alejandro Lozano, the, 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 the director and one of the co-writers of Matando Cabos is our partner, business partner, along with Erika, Erika Sanchez, who is probably one of the most amazing producers in the entire country. And she runs all of local production, all of our actual, uh, actual production. And now we have a, a company that, that is giving, trying at least to give new voices. So nowadays, when, when somebody comes in with, with this desire to, I don't want to tell a movie because I want to meet actresses, because I want to, I want to make money, because I want to... We don't take kindly to that kind of attitude in a way, because we're here to protect, because you have to protect the industry that, that has been built because it's not like other businesses where if somebody messes up, your product takes the market and, and you make more, you get more market share if someone messes up. In this industry, if someone messes up, it hurts the confidence of your audience. The same audience that then will have to make a decision where, whether to watch your movie or Avatar 2, right? So, so we constantly are very vigilant of the community that we need to create and how to uh, help new people get in, get in on the game, uh, so to speak, but also get in for the right reasons. That makes sense. Yeah, it's a fascinating story, guys. Uh, I have a question for you guys. When you are building something special, you always realize that you are curating and developing certain values, right? That I think are values that come from yourself as a person, as a human being, and then you're putting that into your company. Can you go over a little bit what are those values or maybe some of those values when you started, maybe some of them have changed or some evolved. I'm very curious of what are the values today of Lemon Studios? Well, I think that I, I remember one of the first meetings that Billy and I had about Lemon Studios. And it, the, the first one was, what should we call this company? And, and we got into a conversation about, you know, throwing out names. And, and first it was like names that there was one called Skyline because it sounded like a, it sounded like a, like a company, you know, like it sounded like a studio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of like we, we had other ones. 
Yeah, you can see Skyler, yeah, you, the you, tiger we, in the background and all that uh -huh. stuff. <laughs> we wanted something that, you know, that, sat, that made people think like, oh, that must be around for a while. And, and one of the options that like kept, kept nudging at us was, was Lemon Films. And the reason was because Billy and I grew up being huge U2 fans. During some tours, we would grab backpacks and, and go follow them around. And we'd go to like one, two, three, you know, like 15 shows in a single tour. And it was, it was, it was amazing and it was a great experience. And we really enjoyed the music, but we enjoyed like the idea of of just going crazy for something, for a vision, for a voice, for an idea, for music. But one of the things that when you're a big fan of a band, you kind of know all the lyrics and you know all the songs and everything. And there's this one song called Lemon, which is, which is an, a fantastic song. But one of the verses of the song says, a man makes a picture, a moving picture. Through light projected, he can see himself up close. A man captures color. A man likes to stare and turns money into light to look for her. And that was the reason why it was Lemon. It was because of the idea that this was, this was a light-making industry. It was a, turning money into light is a concept that I, that I didn't quite understand as deeply as then as I do now, but I understand why we chose it back then. I think that this isn't, this isn't a, a money-making industry. It's a light-making industry, and the, and the material which we use to, to, to transform into light, the material that goes into this alchemy is money. You know, we do, this is a business, this is a market, but it also creates stories. It also shines light on, on, on things that have been kept in the darkness, that have been kept in the shade, subject matters that have not been talked about, relationships that have not been deeply analyzed. And I think that that's what we do. We shine, we shine light on things by telling these stories. And I think that there was a point of when, when we said, let's just make any kind of movie. Let's not be the horror movie company. Let's not be the action movie company. Let's make whatever movie we think we'd go watch as audience. And I think that that is something that we have not lost because it's amazing that Billy and I can talk about uh, a TV show that takes place 500 years ago, or we can look at a sci-fi futuristic, or we can look at a small intimate romantic comedy, or we can look at a horror period piece, and we tackle it with the same excitement because it doesn't matter. I mean, going to the YouTube reference, it doesn't matter what album it was or whether it was the first album or Boy or War or Actum Baby or, or Pop, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever sort of gets you excited at that moment that's what you should be doing and let me let me bring it home and in, in that in that what what daniel is talking about about our values and kind of what we strive for uh, it's it's a part of that verse that you said Fred, and and it's the you know it's a moving thing through the light projected he can see himself up close see himself up close we are constant seekers of the self, of what it means to be alive, what it means to be in this pursuit of happiness, to what it means to understand a human condition better. And because that's what makes great writers, that's what makes great storytellers, not just what's happening, but why things are happening. And when you are out there looking to see yourself up close, and I'm talking about closer than this, it's looking inside of you. 
we are relentless on on asking the questions on on and we empower people to do that in lemon there isn't anybody who has a small enough job a small enough a job or a, or a high enough role that can walk in and give us their opinion on something that that we can't ask someone who is maybe an accountant who's on the on, on the fourth floor just looking at numbers all day and then you come in and you go hey listen i've got this scene about this guy telling his father that he wants to break a five generational tradition and it's a it's a scene that i'm having trouble with could you give it a read and we can get insight from people who are not necessarily the writer or the da da da, da you know yeah. uh, i don't give the financial statements to writers that that, that i don't do <laughs> not again i'm not doing that again <laughs> Never again. See, fiction belongs to, there's a joke that says that the number one fiction writing software that Microsoft makes, you ask people what it is and they go, oh, well, Microsoft Word. And you go, no, it's Excel. That is the number <laughs> one fiction writing software from Microsoft. Everybody can have that great next idea. And if anybody disrespects anybody, I will fire them on the spot. Today, the, the industry in Mexico is, is big, as you mentioned there was no industry when you guys started. There is an industry today. There's other players in the field. What do you think today makes Lemon Studios special? And I don't say, I mean, all of these companies are different and, I, and I'm not trying to compare which one is better than other. I'm just trying to point exactly if you, if you are in front of one of these platforms, buyers, or anyone who doesn't know anything about the market in Mexico, what do you think makes Lemon Studios special or different than these other companies that are today in the market? One of the things that I, that I think makes us different is that one of the, the elements of the Mexican film industry that always bugged us when we started out was the fact that when somebody says, ah, I like your film, and you say, thank you, and they say, it looks French. You know, you, you must think like, ah, maybe it's because it's so sophisticated and because of the the love is so complex and, and you know, that the, the, the tone is like sensual. And if somebody says like, ah, your movie looks, you know, it, it looks Japanese and it's like, ah, is it because, you know, it, it's very structured, but there are things within the structure that really branch out and make, and that's, thank you. That's, I take that as a compliment. And somebody says like, ah, I like your film. Your film looks Mexican. Everybody in Mexico says, oh, so the sound is bad. The, the lighting sucks. That it's overacted. It's that's what we think in Mexico uh, when somebody says that movie looks Mexican. That's what they mean in our own country, still to this day. And they're not wrong. You know, they're wrong. I believe they're wrong now, but I they weren't wrong then. It was really there was very little attention to high quality films and high quality television. Uh, what was what made it to the TV and what made it to the film screens? It wasn't necessary. You, you had a feeling that it wasn't like the best of the best. You had a feeling that there wasn't like a a challenge to get to that point. You got you had that feeling that you thought, why is a movie with the same production values but just made in in England or made in even made in in Argentina? Why does it look better than the Mexican version? I don't understand it. And it was it, it got something that bugged us. Is it different cameras? Was it different lighting? Was it, what, what is it that, that really, and, and we got to the conclusion that it was just, it was, it was lack of attention. 
And I think that that's, I think that one of the elements that just, that became a, something for us was we need to pay attention to every frame, to every shot, to every element of production. We need to give these first time directors, because we did a lot of first time director films in our first 10 years, we did about seven of them. And, and we said, we need to make sure that we treat every, every single element of this film as if it was the most important thing. We can't, you know, we can't just phone it in. And I think that that got Lemon Studios to a level in Mexico where we started making not necessarily the most expensive shows, but we were making the best looking shows and we were making the shows that looked to people. And the biggest compliment we received at that time was it looks American. You know, that, that's what they started saying about our, our stuff. It, oh, it, look, it looks American. And, and that was, what, that was what, what one would aspire to, you know? And, and, the, and the crazy thing is that now, I mean, and all we were doing was taking care of the, of the quality of it. And I think that that also creates a lot of new directors that are graduating from universities now in Mexico, a lot of young filmmakers, when they have a chance to send a script to a production company, I think a lot of them choose us because of that because they know that we don't, we're, not, we're not hooked on a genre, we're hooked on quality. And whatever genre comes our way, we're going to treat it like if it was our first movie and we had everything to lose if we fail. And I think that that's made us, it's like, it's like we're, we've grown into a mature company, but we have the mentality of first-time filmmakers. So the more specific, the more broad your content can go. And that's something that we always try to find. So I guess local is definitely, when you guys are thinking about, uh, about the story, is, is, that, is that part of the, the criteria yeah. when you, we choose a story? It has to be super local. So, and then the more local, the more global? Yeah. People want to travel. People, yeah. don't want, people don't want to go to a place that's a little bit like theirs. Uh, they want to go to a place that's nothing like this. I think that's more exciting. Do you remember when was the first time you guys heard the word local? I think the first time I heard local was when my first, the first time I went to a, to a soccer match. You know that when you're local, hey, you know the, 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 el, el, the player number 12, the audience, that's that's local that's local power you know it's which is which is interesting because you grew up thinking hey you know when my team goes a, a bit to the visiting stadium they're they're at a disadvantage when we play local we're at a full advantage which is completely the opposite of what the mexican film industry is <laughs> when you when you guys created for example control zeta or monarca that are series that of course are local but as you mentioned they're local stories, but at the end of the day, they travel all over the world. What do you think, what, what type of components or components your story, the story has? So you think you make it more appeal beyond the Mexican market? It's kind of like saying, you know, let's just tell the story about this family, about this, this, this moment in time, about the school, about this girl in this school that has this problem. And if you do it well, I mean, there are, there are techniques, there are a lot of tools that allow you to kind of check the boxes. But at the end of the day, you just go for the best story you can tell about, about that one thing that you found. And it's, listen, I think, I think success is completely accidental. 
in all levels. I don't I don't believe that success is something you plan, it's something you can you can you can get and say, okay, we've done what we needed to do. It will now be a success. At the same way that a failure is accidental. You need to understand that. And that kind of keeps keeps you grounded in, in saying, hey, we, 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 we hit this one out of the park. We might not hit the next one. Let's try. But if we don't, it's not the end of the world. And, and, and I think that's how you have to think about every project. And, and, I, think, and I think that just on the, on the, I mean, if I know that I'm making Monarca, the, the, our Netflix show, if we're making Monarca for 193 countries, you know, as a director, maybe when I'm shooting Tequila Jalisco, and maybe when I'm shooting the agave fields, maybe I take a little bit longer. You know what I mean? Maybe because I know, like Billy said, people want to people wanna go see things they've never seen before. They want to they wanna get to know these places. So maybe, maybe, I, maybe I do think a little bit in some, in some aesthetic fashion that I want this to get out. This is going to get out to people that maybe have never been to Mexico. So it's just interesting to show them a, a little bit longer this or maybe this. But it doesn't change the story and it doesn't, I, we don't change character uh, because of it. In Monarca, what we did is we reached out to, you know, dozens of, of independent art and, 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 and product and clothing designers in Mexico to make sure that our season was not just, you know, not just, it wasn't just a young kind of, you know, complicated family drama set in Mexico and in Guadalajara and tequila, but it's also, but it also does reflect of what Mexico is now because there was a conscious decision where we said, what do people think Mexico is? And we obviously go to the stereotypes. So we wanted to show within, within this story, and again, we didn't change the scripts to do this. We just kind of shot in in, in more unique places. We we dressed our our actors in a more you know modern design way to reflect what we believe Mexico is now, which is also having to do with the story. Okay. And I think and I think to add to that, Fer, is there's a certain aspect of wonder that you need to kind of artificially implant in your brain as a and become a traveler. One time they asked. I remember when we did, when we were doing the tour with the Emmy in Mexico, we were at the Senate in Mexico, and they asked Fer, uh, what 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 is it that how can we help? Kind of the Senate was saying, how do we help? How can we get you know be- better scripts, writers, so people can win more Emmys? And and Fernando said, help them travel, help help them know their their country. Because a lot of times you're sitting there going, oh my God, we should travel here. We should travel there. And, they, and, and you're living like an hour away from like pyramids, like actual pyramids. And you're like, whoa, like you don't see it because it's there and it's like normal, a part of your life. And, and I, think, I think you need to have these, this visor of a tourist in a way and, 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 and operate through that so that people can feel that when they watch it. Talking about local and Mexico, if you were to start today a local initiative in Mexico out of the film industry, what would you start? Start Lemon Studios. (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things that an initiative that I've always, you know, felt lacking in Mexico is state-specific incentives. You know, I, I, this is something that is everywhere except Mexico, like something like we haven't gotten the, the message yet. But just the fact that you can say, hey, so-and-so states, 
we'll give you a tax break, or we'll give you a something. And so come shoot in our states. You know, we've done it, but kind of like on a one-on-one -on -one with governors at the time, you know, it's like, hey, someone introduces you to the governor of so-and-so place, and the governor's like, hey, I want to take a little bit of my budget for tourism, and instead of doing this silly commercial, you know, with a bunch of helicopter shots, I want to put my state in your, in your movie. And so I'll give you some money for that. And then that helps us tell our stories in a bigger way, but it, it decentralizes the, the, the production, which I think not only is it, is it lovely, <laughs> but it's very necessary because we we're not going to fit anymore. As, as soon as like Disney and Hulu and everybody starts coming down, there, there won't be, in, there, 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 there aren't that many places that are unique. So we'll, mm. I think that's important, decentralizing. I was going to say, before going to my, my last question, I know you guys also invest a lot in education. I know you guys have a, a some sort of school that you guys teach new filmmakers. And I think that also tells a lot about the passion that you have for the for storytelling, as you guys mentioned before. Can you guys go over a little bit of what that, that initiative is and how how that started? Yeah, that's it's, it's called Centro University. It's in Mexico City. It's a, it's a university that's been around for, I believe, 13 years. It's, it's, it's our mother's initiative, really. I mean, it's, it's one of her, it's, it's, pro it's perhaps her, her most personal project. Like I said earlier, she was an interior decorator for a long time. And one of her greatest disappointments was when she tried to have work with, with interior designers, interior decorators in Mexico, she realized that you know, they weren't really well educated or they weren't, they didn't really have a professional education. And the reason for that was that the Mexican Ministry of, of Education didn't determine that design was worthy of a bachelor's degree. So if you want to study bachelor's degree, you had to study at a smaller school that didn't offer an official certification. And it was so frustrating when you look at the world and you realize that everything around you has been designed by someone. And yet design is not seen as a serious a serious enough institution in your country to merit a bachelor's degree. So my mother did just that. She started a university that would be able to professionalize creativity. And when we sort of talked about this big family project, well, Billy and I sort of raised our hand and said, you know, film is the same way. There are no bachelor's degree for film in Mexico. And that's kind of the reason why we left so we, you know, we added film to the mix, to the, to the fight. And we, and my mother spent five years, you know, meeting with the government, explaining, making a case for design, making a case for creativity and making a case for the fact that this was not only deeply needed, but this was the future of, of it, this could be an amazing future for Mexico if we only changed our perspective in that, in that regard. So so Centro opened its doors for 500 or so students. Now it's up to 5,000 students. There's a continuing education program. Their bachelor's degree in new media. There's a bachelor's degree in film and television, graphic design. They do a lot of a lot of research and development into into VR, AR, mocap, everything. And, and it's it's become a leader in Mexico. And and you know it, how to apply art and design to the real world and actually give these students opportunities and change the way we think of, of, of design. So film fit into this equation 
And now and we became the first university to officially graduate filmmakers with a bachelor's degree that they could then go on and do a master's degree and they could, which was previously unavailable. Also, uh, we, we've sort of, we've sort of taken advantage of this, of this amazing opportunity to get close to a lot of, a lot of people that are now working at, at Lemon Studios and have now written for, for Lemon Studios projects and have directed and have produced. And, and it's become this breeding ground of talent that we've seen, you know, not only for, for Lemon Studios, but for, dozens of production companies. And three years ago, when, when the term showrunner is being thrown around, like, but nobody really understood what it was. And Billy and I got together and said, you know what, I think, I think we need to, we need to be that school in Mexico that actually tackles that thing. And it, and it, and it becomes, and we educate and we form showrunners when nobody, you know, in the world are, is, is thinking about doing that. So we started a a postgraduate program called the ABC of show running. And we've been teaching it for three years and we've seen over, you know, I think something like 80, 80 something showrunners have graduated and they're, they're all off doing their things and we're extremely proud of it. And I think that more than anything, more than an opportunity to teach, it's become an opportunity to learn. I believe guys, your story, what you guys do in your, in every, piece of content that you have produced on what you're saying, the passion that you guys have in every piece of content that you guys put together, you can, you can relate to your own story as well. I think your both of, both of your story is a story that can touch any other filmmaker in any part of the world without having to be in Mexico. I think you guys are really accomplished what I, what I say, live by example. I think that's exactly what you guys are doing with with Lemon Studios. Congratulations really with, with, with all your success and, and, and this amazing story. Thank you, thank you for this. If you guys wanna share, maybe each of you, for someone that never have been in Mexico, what it could be a very interesting local experience that they could have, what would you recommend? Let's say to any person in the world that hasn't touched Mexico and don't know Mexico at all. Garibaldi, I would say. Yeah, okay. Garibaldi is a plaza in Mexico that is just filled with mariachis, and they and they 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 sing and they drink. And and in my younger years, it's a place that many many fond memories. Very Mexico. And it's the interesting thing about Garibaldi is that you it's like it becomes a thing where you you go with your friends and you get there and you see a mariachi and you're like, come on. And the mariachi gets in your car and you go to like a restaurant and the mariachi is with you for like an hour. They charge by the hour and he plays right next to you. And then when you when the hour is up, he leaves. So it's mariachis for hire on an hourly basis. And you can literally go and say, I need five of you. And he's like, hey, Ramon, Felipe, vámonos. And they get in your car or sometimes they get in the cab and they go to your house. They'll put on a concert and then they'll leave. It's, and crazy. It's, also, it's a little way to also keep the party going because usually you don't go to you don't go to Garibaldi at 8 p.m. You go to Garibaldi at 3 a.m. and it's exactly. like hey let's go to Garibaldi and you go pick up some mariachis and then that's like round two fight. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit that I have my own version of Garibaldi in Venezuela in Caracas, but uh -huh. we created actually we we built it we 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 started from scratch we grab all always these guitar player that was playing at a bar. 
we show mm-hmm. up at the bar and we brought him all, always to a house of one of our friends or something like that. Exactamente. No, no, that I think that's and it's in Mexico City, just so so everybody knows. It's in Mexico City. It's called Plaza Garibaldi. I don't know what the COVID situation with the Garibaldi is, uh, but I imagine it's died down this, cool. this last awesome. year. The one thing that I think that this pandemic has also done for us is if Billy is in, in Ixtapa and I'm in Acapulco and we're working in a Mexico City production company, you know, I think that it doesn't have to be limited by your same country. And I think that one of our plans for the future is absolutely start to work in the, on this side and in that side of the border. And, and we have such love and, and care and, and respect for the U.S. And it's given us so much in education and friendship that we we believe that right now also it's it's important to you know drop those those uh, boundaries and start to create teams on a transnational international level so we're very excited that i think next year we're going to be doing a lot more projects up in the us awesome thank you fair thank you billy it was a pleasure having you guys here in purposely local muchas gracias amigo gracias hermanos igualmente